Hello, hello. I'm Andrew Van, and this is the Media Diary Podcast, where I go over the movies, music, comics, what have you, that recently caught my attention and I wanted to share my opinions on. On this episode, we're going to be covering my 12 favorite albums that were released in 2020. I won't be presenting them in any sort of ranked order, and I won't be trying to make a case for why these are objectively the best albums of the year. There are many different paths to success as far as what an album is trying to accomplish, and my opinions and tastes may be vastly different from yours. And with that, let's dig into the first album that I'm going to be talking about here, which is Zeal and Ardor's self-titled album. This is the metal band I've been most hyped about for the last five years. Their sound is a compelling fusion of old-school blues music and black metal, which harkens back to the original combination of harsh guitar tones and dark spiritualism that birthed the genre. On this latest album, the band come through with yet another sinister offering, which tries to push the band's sound into more extreme directions for all of their influences. Whether that's the face-melting heaviness of Gotterdammerung, the ominous folk of Golden Lyre, or the grungy hard rock of Church Burns. But no matter what shape the band's music takes on, there is a sense of urgency and desperation permeating throughout. The one drawback for me is that I don't think it is a terribly cohesive record. The track list feels a little bit better when spread out over four sides of vinyl, but as a straight listen can feel all over the place. But overall, I feel like the album beefs up the band's discography, and I'm always hungry for more music by this very unique band. My Favorite tracks off this one are Dr. Damarung, Church Burns, and Death to the Holy. Next up, I want to talk about Orville Peck's album Bronco. Saddle up and ride on down. Maybe when the tide comes out, come and find me. I have always struggled with country music. It is a genre that lays bare the difference between authenticity and sincerity, which is to say nothing of the extent to which the genre has been folded into the conservative aesthetic here in the United States, which is why Orville Peck is such a breath of fresh air. He is a gay, sad boy who sings about how he wants to die and how much men suck. And Bronco might just just be his magnum opus. He showed plenty of potential with 2019's Pony, but the indie-infused, vaguely psychedelic country flavors that he presents here are so much more fully realized, and with tons of variety, too. Like, seriously, if you are entirely checked out of country music, Please listen to this record. I promise, besides like some passing references to Elvis, you're not going to get a lot of the hokey, cringy shit that you're used to with radio country. This is the sound of an artist reaching and fulfilling their potential. Favorite tracks are Daytona Sand, 
Out of Time and Let Me Drown. On to the third project I want to talk about, we have Alexis on Fire with their album Otherness. Now, this is an album that I admit is not pushing any envelopes as far as innovating or saving rock music goes, but its existence and just how solid of an album it is is a near miracle when you take in all the context surrounding it. Alexis on Fire, also known as the only band ever, are a Canadian post-hardcore band who spent basically the entirety of the 2010s on hiatus, with its various members spinning off into some of the most desperately different sounding bands imaginable. Like, I think it's pretty common knowledge that Dallas Green of City and Color fame started off in this band, but their other two vocalists are in Gallows and Dead Tired, which are both pretty insane punk acts. So when it was announced that the band were putting out their first album in over a decade together, I was wondering what the hell this thing would sound like. And incredibly, it sounds very cohesive and also as if nothing had happened between this and their last record. This is totally the sound they were doing on Old Crow's Young Cardinals. Things are a little sludgier and a little jammier in places, and I can't remember them rocking a synthesizer lick at any point in the past. So like, yeah, there are some differences, but by and large, this is the sound of theirs that I fell in love with in the late 2000s. And I can't help but think that part of that is because the band never totally fell out of contact with each other. For basically all of their hiatus, they were doing festival shows and one-off gigs together without ever making it really the biggest thing on any of their plates. And the band have said that they developed these tracks by jamming them together. They weren't stitched together in the studio from spare parts. They really relied on that base of having still performed together live through all those years. Favorite tracks on this one are Sans Solier, Reverse the Curse, and Mistaken Information. And the next album we're going to be covering is Denzel Curry's Melt My Eyes, See Your Future. In a place where we could hardly survive and barely could thrive, my only focus staying alive, like zombies revived. The second coming, I have arrived, I'm re-energized, I'm sad and weak, she leading the blind, pressure get applied, they cut my niggas down in their prime, calling for the time, to turn back all the cuss when he's still stuck on another line. I try to crack a smile and still a frown follows right behind, it's cruciating pain like pain. This is honestly everything I ever wanted out of Denzel Curry, even if I couldn't predict that this was the direction he would take things. Large parts of this record are contemplative and mature in a way that I was aware Denzel could be, but never observed him going to this length on any of his previous work. It feels like he's growing up and learning before our very eyes. But as much as his work up to this point has often 
been really focused on minimalism and intense energy. Melt My Eyes has this huge feeling to its production. Everything is lush and detailed, with jazz elements coming in and out of various tracks to kind of hold the whole album together. And yeah, there's still hype shit, like the Rico Nasty feature on Ain't No Way. But one of the things that makes Denzel Curry such an interesting artist to follow is this diversity within his catalog. So if you want to hear a hip-hop record where a young man confronts the failures of his past actions over top of beats that sound like the producers did nothing but listen to late 90s Toonami bumpers, get on this shit. Favorite tracks for this one are Worst Comes to Worst, Troubles, and Zatoichi. And now we're on to the fifth album I want to talk about, which is Beyonce's Renaissance. I like that Beyonce has used her untouchable status in the music industry to put forth some rather unexpected albums over the last decade. With Lemonade, we got a concept album about her marriage, which followed through from its own redemption arc into the collaboration album with Jay-Z in The Carters, Everything Is Love. And then Homecoming, essentially the greatest hits of her career played as a marching band medley live performance experience? She's not taking the safe route on anything these days, and we're better off for it. And that continues with Renaissance, which is essentially an hour-long dance mix, throwing it back to a lot of early 90s dance music stylings, and setting the track list so it all runs together like a DJ set list. It was unexpected, and it was so good. And you'd think that maybe this format would mean that there isn't a lot of depth to the project either. Either, but that hasn't been my listening experience. Because on one hand, I can put it on as just some vibe shit in the background to get me, you know, hyped up while I'm doing whatever. But then, when I'm listening to it, like, at work and kind of being more intense and judgmental about things, there is a lot there, and both of those experiences are rewarding. Favorite tracks on this one are Alien Superstar, Break My Soul, and Church Girl. And the next project that I'm going to talk about here is Korn's latest album, Requiem. I've basically said for years that Korn are one of those bands who never put out a truly great album, but every single album has like three or four songs that are worth knowing if you're into the band. They've just been doing this long enough that they've accumulated a killer catalog of singles and deep cuts, and we mostly forget the like bottom 60% of their discography. But I genuinely think Requiem is a good 
album. First off, it's like the shortest corn album by a fucking mile. It's like half the length of a normal corn record. But the biggest thing for me about this album is it actually feels like it has its own identity as opposed to other corn albums that are just another corn album. Requiem is very melodic. A lot of that falls on Jonathan Davis's delivery, which is oddly sensual at times. But the band themselves are playing... I don't want to say less dissonant music, because, like, the dissonance is always there. That's so core to Korn's identity. But there are sections that just sound so much smoother than usual. Favorite tracks off of this one would be Let the Dark Do the Rest, Start the Healing, and Disconnect. Next up, we have Black Thought and Danger Mouse with their album Cheat Codes. Yeah, I'm like Thelonious at the underground piano, dressed in camo, the grenades, guns, and ammo, death the sample, send them a bouquet and a candle. I came to take back that other two fifths of a man's soul from a silhouette standing in the aperture to a figurehead standing in the path of a killer. Younger village that's scrambling for Africa, prepped and will accept nothing but a massacre. A vindicating moment for me with Cheat Codes was when I played it for one of my best friends without giving them too much of a prep of what I was showing them, and they clocked it. They said, you know, why does this remind me of Gorillaz? And while I don't think Cheat Codes sounds particularly similar to Danger Mouse's production on Demon Days, there is something familiar there. Black Thought is excellent throughout this whole thing. He's just straight heat the whole way through. But Danger Mouse on this record has brought us something special. Something almost timeless in its vintage feel. These beats are so simple and so elegant. They give me this warm, fuzzy feeling. Like, I had this record playing on my record player this past fall while I had the windows open and was doing some uh, cleaning before winter set in, and it just felt right. Like, it's hard to explain this, like, weird primordial feeling that I get from this music. And it goes by really quick, too. Like, the record is under 40 minutes, but always feels like it's over way too soon. And that's that's rare for me. I'm one of those guys who wants the 8 to 10 track album. I am so less is more, and I want more when I'm done with listening to this project. Every time. Favorite tracks on this one are The Darkest Part, Aquamarine and Strangers. And for the eighth album I'm going to talk about, we're covering Rina Sawayama's Hold the Girl. Rina 
Sawayama is, in my humble opinion, the total package. Hold the Girl, as well as her debut album, are shining examples of everything pop as a genre has to offer. The ability to pick and choose different styles and assert your persona within them. And this record certainly is a smorgasbord of style. You have the disco country fusion of This Hell, the 2000s pop stylings of Hurricanes, the distorted industrial elements on Your Age and Imagining, power ballads, acoustic cuts, driving indie bass lines, like she's got a little bit of everything here. And as much as that makes the album feel a little bit incongruent, the one thing that is solid throughout is Rena herself. The attitude, the vibe, the lyrical focus on leaving religion and reconnecting with your inner child. As with her last album, she is giving us so much with this record. My favorite tracks from this one are gonna be This Hell, Frankenstein, and Phantom. Alright, next up we have the ninth album I'm gonna talk about, which is Love Me Forever by Pink Shift. It has been really cool seeing this band go from, like, a tiny local band with one or two interesting tunes on Bandcamp to being a much-talked-about upstart in the punk scene, and now we're here with their debut album, and it's fucking great. On the whole, I don't think it's breaking the rules quite as much as some of the tracks off of their Saccharin EP, but what they lack in originality on this project, they more than make up for in execution. Most of these songs are clocking in at under three minutes in length, and they are punching well above their weight class. I can understand why the band themselves are hesitant to embrace the label of pop-punk, seeing as the two bands they remind me of the most— Sum 41 and Tsunami Bomb also did not rest comfortably in that label. But I think this generation of punk musicians in particular are more likely to incorporate heavier elements brought in from rock and metal, and their singer is definitely not trying to recall the breezy accessibility of Blink-182 or All-Time Low. She keeps things pretty furious throughout most of this record, only really slowing down to deliver the much more somber and anguished ballad in a breath, which acts as a nice midpoint to the record, bringing the energy down while still elevating the tension. This is a wonderfully relentless record. Favorite tracks on this one are Burn the Witch, The Kids Aren't Alright, and In a Breath. Okay, now we're on to album number 10, which is gonna be the debut album by Native American black metal band Black Braid.
Black metal has always had a gatekeeping problem. It's a genre that is so extreme and whose fans are so disinterested in letting other influences in or mellowing out the sound so that new fans could be generated. But over the last 10 years, I feel like there has been an attempt. There is a cavalcade of newer artists shaking things up, getting shed on by the old guard, and delivering a more accessible and varied take on the genre. I would say that bands like Sayor and Mercure, that are largely hated by the black metal community, did for that genre to me what a group like Linkin Park did for opening my eyes to just metal in general. And Black Braid seems kind of along those lines as well. This debut album incorporates a lot of elements from Native American folk instrumentation, as well as the usual majestic swells you come to expect from a lot of atmospheric black metal. But it's also surprisingly punchy, and I think presents a very well-rounded take on the genre, without falling into the lo-fi trappings or repetitive songwriting that plagues most traditional black metal. And the drumming is fucking lit. I love the drums on this record, and you can hear them very directly steering the course of these songs. Favorite tracks off this one are gonna be Sakandaga and Barefoot Ghost Dance on Blood-Soaked Soil. And the penultimate album I want to talk about on this episode is Moments by Tobe Nwigwe. He don't really know that if he free the pictures, he be living way above them weak conditions. He been reaching, I be living hella propositions for him, wishing that he listen, but it's hard to pay attention when you on the hoes. But buddy in the club, all religious, he get vicious when it come to getting digits. He gon' holler at the tickets, make him feel like he the richest. If the baby is a vixen, her legs in the air like eucalyptus, but she go home. But everybody leaving unfulfilled when a thrill of the night is built on something fishy and you feel it in your gills. It ain't real, but you keep... This album is maybe a hard sell for anyone who's not down for some fucking weird shit. And I'll be entirely honest, I have not totally processed this album yet. But it is too interesting for me to leave off of this list, so here we go. Tobe Nwigwe is a Nigerian-American rapper, singer, hailing from Texas, known for his eclectic style and working closely with his wife, Fat Nwigwe, with the album Moments being the first project they've put out since really rising to prominence. And it is a wild fucking ride. There are so many different subgenres and moods swinging back and forth through all of these songs that you never exactly know where you're gonna land moment to moment. And with so many high-profile collaborators on this project like Pharrell, Earth Gang, Royce to 5'9", Chameleonaire, or even CeeLo Green, there's a lot of opportunities for a different voice to come in and spin the song in a totally different direction. Which is to say nothing of Toby himself, who has so many different vocal inflections to pull from, whether that is nearly screaming his brains out on the opening cut round here part one, or the contemplative stoicism of Head to Hades. And with his wife's angelic voice incorporated onto nearly every track on here, plus all of the backing group vocals, Moments feels oddly communal. Favorite tracks on this one are Destruction, Ben Broke, and Head to Hades. And the final project that I want to talk about here is going to be Endure by Special Interests. There are- 
One of my favorite musical acts to emerge in the last 10 years has to be the left-leaning, industrial, and no-wave band Algiers. And up until recently, I felt like they were a very singular band. Nobody else was really fucking around at this crossroad of influences. And then I stumbled across Special Interest who admittedly are very much a different band from Algiers, while scratching a very similar itch for me. Special interests pull more from 90s dance and house music than the industrial fury of Algiers, which means that they are generally a bit more of a fun listen. But what also makes Endure such a curious record is how the A-side shows off the more danceable, flirtatious, and genre pushing side of the band while the B-side dives into their punishing efficiency as a no-wave punk band. Favorite tracks off of this one are Cherry Blue Intention, Midnight Legend, and Kurdish Radio. So that wraps up the 12 projects that I wanted to really dig into on this episode, but I would figured I'd give a few last little shout-outs if you've made it this far. Just some albums that I had a little bit less to talk about with. There's the new Polyphia record, Remember You Will Die. Really love this band, but the record had a lot more vocal features on it than their previous projects. And while they're getting better at incorporating vocals into their music, they really shine best when they're an instrumental act. I also enjoyed the song Among Branches by Mossgiver. This was an obscure little ambient black metal project that I really dug the hell out of. I basically got into black metal this year specifically so that I could ignore the hell out of my co-workers' conservative radio programs. There was also S.O.S. by SZA. Was really excited to see her come back this year. I just haven't had a lot of time to sit with the album yet to really say anything other than I like it. Seems like it's a bit more stripped back and lyrically violent than control Troll was. It was also nice to see the return of Joey Badass on his album 2000. Not happy that Chris Brown was on the project, but this is another one that I just haven't spent enough time with yet to really make a judgment call on. There was also Never Knows Best debut album, Another Summer, which was very nostalgic for me, combining elements of Blink-182, Sum 41-style pop-punk, with glitchy electronics and a lot of humor. It reminded me of if 100 Gex were forced to cover the entirety of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And finally, there was Unwanted by Pale Waves, which did not hit me as hard as their previous album, Who Am I?, which is like no skips perfection for me. But the band are still proceeding along with this very Avril-esque 90s throwback pop rock shtick, which by all accounts, is working well for them. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. If you liked what you heard here, you can follow us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud under Media Diary Podcast. Feel free to look up our previous year's best of lists as well as seasonal anime roundups and just generally my thoughts on movies, music, and whatever. A list of all the albums that we covered today will be in the description. And as always, thank you for listening to my cruddy opinions.